Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Vietnam is a fascinating country that continues to get busier by the year as more and more travelers become intrigued and visit this country on the move. With a coastline of more than 3,000 kilometers, a varied landscape, and incredible food, it's hot on many levels. Two destinations in the middle of the country, Hoi An and Hue, are mainstays of a full Vietnam travel experience and have been famous for decades amongst travelers. I recently visited and today we'll dive into what a trip to these neighboring cities has to offer and what you can expect. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates and with me as always is... Trevor Ranges in Siem Reap, Cambodia. How's it going, Scott? Yeah, it's going good. And I'm kind of excited about this episode because we haven't done too many episodes shortly after we've been to a country or a city or, or a place. And, you know, I went with my father in late April 2023. He had been to, you know, the north to Hanoi and Halong Bay and things. And he'd been to Ho Chi Minh and uh, down where the Mekong runs into the ocean in those areas. But he'd never been to Hoi An and Hue. I had been a few times and uh, thought, yeah, let's do it. So when I thought back, I think it was 1996 when I first went to Hue. I was backpacking with a friend and we traveled from uh, Hanoi in the north all the way down to Ho Chi Minh City. And we stopped in Hue for a few days. I remember virtually nothing about it. And then I was on Hoi An on that same trip. But then I did go back to Hoi An in 2019 to run some staff training for a travel company I was working for at the time called Exo Travel. And in the evenings, a couple nights, we went out and walked around the old town. And I was frankly shocked because it had really grown up and it was so busy. And of course, that happens almost everywhere in Asia if you let 26 years pass. But it was much, much, much busier, but still um, charming. So then I was just there with my dad, and it's different again. How about you, Trevor? Have you been to either of those two areas? I have not. I think, is Hoi An where our friend Maeve lives? She did used to live in Hoi An, and I think she's recently had to move to Ho Chi Minh City for work. But yeah, Hoi An was her longtime base. Okay. And Hue, I know uh, because it was a historical capital that was heavily damaged during the war with the United States. So I understand that it has a lot of like amazing buildings, but then I also hear that a lot of those buildings were destroyed during the war. I know more about Hue than Hoi An, uh, but uh, you know, I had to look on Google Maps to even see where Hoi An was. And it's near Da Nang, apparently. Um, you know, although when you look on the map, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's right there, but it's usually a couple hours away. But my parents really enjoyed Da Nang and, and all these places are along the coast. Uh, so I figure there must be some nice beaches. I checked a, a surf website and, uh, there is surf in Hoi An and it said the best surf hmm. was in October, but it only said it was like 36% of the time clean and 60% blown out. So that means it must be kind of windy there. 
Yeah, we went to the beach for a few beers. My dad and I, uh, it was busy. I saw a few surfboards, you know, just sitting there, but uh, it didn't look surfable when I was there. So I think what we're going to do today is we're going to give just a bit of historical background on both these places. Uh, Trevor will ask me a few questions. I'll share my impressions and, and then also how to get between them. But just before we get into that, we always have to thank our patrons who are lovely people who sponsor the show from as little as a few dollars a month upwards. And they get a warm, fuzzy feeling inside knowing they help keep this travel talk going. And we're going to give a shout out to Gary. Thanks, Gary. And Gary and other patrons recently saw a video of my father and I on a Vespa adventure trip in Hoi An, where you sit on the back of vintage Vespas. That's owned by our friends uh, Fung and Steve, and uh, it was a heck of a great time. So if you want to get uh, shorter bonus episodes where we chat and riff on things or shoot videos, become a patron. Click donate on the homepage. And uh, yeah, Trevor, full disclosure to everyone listening, we went to Wikipedia to get the real deal. Um, why don't you give us a bit of the 411 and the lowdown on Hoi An? Yeah, considering I just uh, confessed my ignorance a moment ago, according to Wikipedia, Hoi An, with a population of approximately 120,000, is a UNESCO World Heritage Site with a historic district that is recognized as an exceptionally well-preserved example of a Southeast Asian trading port dating from the 15th to the 19th centuries. Its buildings and street plan reflect a blend of indigenous and foreign influences, including the old town's covered Temple Bridge, which dates to the 16th, 17th century. Otherwise, the name of the city Hoi An translates as peaceful meeting place, um, which is kind of the vibe I'm getting from a relatively small city with some interesting old architecture. Does that sound about right, Scott? Yes and no, Trevor. Yes, in that the old little town is fantastic. And if you're there at the right time of day, and it really must have been something, you know, I guess I always think everything is lovely 100, 200 years ago. I mean, there'd be no uh, plumbing, there'd be no running water. Hmm. So there'd be aspects which wouldn't be so good, but it really is lovely, the old little town. And it's on little rivers and inlets. And if you go to Google Maps and look at Hoi An, you'll see it's, I think, about six kilometers from the coast, but there's all kinds of inland rivers and and water systems and stuff. So yeah, it is very, very charming. And tons of old buildings that have been restored. And obviously, some of them have probably been even made to look old. But in the old city, uh, there's no cars in the little town. There are some motorbikes in the morning a little bit, but architecturally, it is incredible. It's super, super charming. And it reminded me a bit of the old area in Luang Prabang, which is, of course, you spent a lot of time there and there's beautiful old uh, traditional buildings with a little bit of French influence. So you get a lot of that in Hoi An's old town. But as happens when places become big with tourists, every one of these buildings now has either a restaurant or a bar or a tea shop or a souvenir shop or an art shop, etc. Yeah. So it definitely has become a big tourist area. Hmm. And then, like, is there like a massive city around that now? Because that's the other thing, like what we're reading, like, that's what was going on last week, you know, for people who don't know, like, countries like Vietnam grow so quickly that if you go away for a week, like there's 50 new high rises and a hundred new convenience stores. So was there a big metropolis like around uh, the, this smaller old town or is it still just 120,000 people feels like a small town? Good question. 
it didn't feel it's it's certainly not a big city, right? But around the old town is is modern, you know, small city. So it doesn't really end, right? You leave the long the, the old town and just, you know, right there begins new concrete buildings and heaps and heaps of hotels and all the things that go along with that, you know, tailor shops and craft shops again and restaurants and, and all that. So there is build up. It's not out in a sleepy riverside little village or anything. It's all built up around there. And and it's a fairly big modern town. Now that said, uh, you know, when I did the Vespa adventure, I'll keep plugging it because I, I love their trips and it is really good. You just go a kilometer over the bridge and you're all of a sudden driving down a little tarmac strip through rice fields and stuff. And, and so it is quite easy to still get out into the countryside and see farmers and get over to the beach, which is a bit busier than anticipated, but you can definitely still get out and see some local life. And it's pretty conducive to cycling because it's quite flat. So while the town itself, yes, is bigger, you can still get out of the city with relative ease. Okay. And then what was the beach like? Because that's my thing. Like, was it, like it's right on a river kind of. It looks like Hoyan's like it's, the river goes through the middle of it. And uh, the surf spot was sort of on the north of the river. But sometimes like the water's not clean or the sand can be dirty near river mouths. But what was the beach like? This is my third time there. And it was the only time I made it to the beach. So um, apparently one of the beaches, uh, erosion in the last few years has literally gotten rid of that beach. But uh, and I think that was Kuadai Beach, but I went down to Anbang Beach. And yeah, I mean, that probably differs a lot based on time of year. But you know, it, it wasn't super gorgeous. And I don't mean to be disparaging, but there's restaurants and stuff built right up. So you can't see it from the road, you have to sort of, you know, come in the back of a restaurant or a hotel to then see mm-hmm. the beach lots of food and things being sold on the beach. Uh, kind of, kind of, yeah, not clear water. Right. But that doesn't mean it's, it's dirty. I don't know if it's dirty water. I think it's probably fine, but you know, you and I have been spoiled by going to incredible beaches. So I wouldn't say it was awesome. Um, that said the coast is long, like that beach goes and goes and goes. And there's, you know, as you head north towards Da Nang, there's, um, you know, your Sheratons, your Hyatts and all those. So it's only five, six K and, and, you know, if you're in Hoi An town, I think it, it probably is worth blasting out there. And we had a couple of beer and a bit of food along the beach, but it was busy. Uh, and I wouldn't say it was world class. All right. Um, before we move on, you want uh, any other last notes? Anything else worth checking out in Hoi An? Yeah, we didn't actually go here, but uh, one of the big sites to see is Maison Temple, and it's about an hour away by car, and it is a, an old, I believe, Cham uh, monument. Mm. So there's sort of stone temple complex, my understanding is not huge. So if you're coming from the temples of Angkor in Cambodia, or maybe even a Yutia in Thailand, like you may not want to go because I've heard it's smallish. That said, you can combine it with a, a boat trip on a little river. If I went back, I would probably go see it. Uh, there's lots of strolling to be done, cooking courses. Now, I feel really bad saying this about a place um, because the old town is lovely and it's magical. And my dad and I went out one morning at about 7, 15, 7 a.m. for a walk. And I'm definitely glad we did because there was lots of locals about having tea and coffee in the morning. But otherwise, it has become overrun with tourists. And this is happening around the world. I know it's a, a case in Barcelona, in Amsterdam. Uh, I think Siem Reap's getting busier. 
Uh, I've heard Kyoto now is just, there's so many people. And the reality is we all have a right to travel, but there's so many more people, particularly uh, Asians that now have the income and the ability to travel, that places like Hoi An, it's just wall-to-wall tour groups. So if you head in there in the afternoon and particularly evening, it's almost like walking through, you know, a packed nightclub shoulder to shoulder. It's swarms of people, which kind of render the whole charm of the place, you know, non-existent. So I hate to say it, I would have a bit of a difficult time recommending Hoi An to people now, but I know lots of friends and family who, when I was there, said, oh, that was my favorite, but they were there, say, even just eight years ago or seven years ago. But it's charming, but man, is it is it busy with tourists now. Huh. You know, and I'm checking out the, the Maison Temple photographs and it looks pretty cool but it definitely looks like something like that i would geek out on like the design and like the the, how well it's preserved and the fact that one thing that's interesting here it says that there's temples from the fourth to the 14th century so while it's not like a huge complex it's quite small actually but some of the buildings are much 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 older and they have a really cool style but that said i don't know that the average person like if you spend an hour there and an hour back like you're you're probably only good for an hour at the temple it's not worth it maybe so i don't know i kind of feel like i'd agree with you but i feel like i remember mave lived in hoi an because not because but like the cool thing about it was you could just fly in there pretty easily and then from there was some of the best dirt biking hawk moon said some of his favorite rides were like based out of hoi an so maybe this is just like a this area this danang hoi an way region is kind of cool and maybe just this is one of the not quite as cool spots in that region i don't know well it's one of their flagship destinations and i'm sure i'm going to get hate mail for saying (laughs) i'm not saying don't go i'm just saying it is that busy now but you're absolutely right about motorbiking like i look at the the roads if you head west into the mountains and the mountains aren't far away they're probably 20 kilometers away so i think there's incredible mountain adventure to be done if motorbiking or you know somehow getting your own driver or car heading into you know ql 14 roads that go west look incredible and it is close to danang you know you you land at danang international airport and Wow, has Danang ever grown? The government has had a real effort to make it a modern city, and it has modern bridges, a brand new airport. Like it is a shiny city, uh, and it's only about a forty-minute drive at the most to Hoi An from Danang. So it's it's easy to fly into Danang to get to Hoi An. I would have no reservations about going back and motorbiking. I would love to head west into the mountains. I think that would be incredible. And you know, if you probably just wanted to stay in a nice five star too i gotta say like out in the peninsula from denang there's an intercontinental out there and there is a massively long beach and bay in denang where there was all kinds of construction going on now lots of high rises but a lot of the global brands of hotels all along that bay and we did go to a, a very nice new modern uh branch of East West Brewery uh, that started in Ho Chi Minh City right on the beach and we had some beers. So it's it's not all bad. It's just the charm of that little old town is now kind of overrun. But passing to or from, I would, I guess, pop in, but it's a bit overrun. But Da Nang is your jumping off center. And then we headed north from there to go to Hue. All right. So let's do that. How'd you get from Hue on to Hue? Yeah, so I mean, it obviously depends which direction you're going. We were heading south and on Hoi An, north uh, towards Hue, and we uh, hired a driver, and it was about 
about a hundred dollars, uh, including the stop. Mm. I'm sure you can go much, you know, cheaper if you take the public bus or a van. Uh, but we wanted to have them actually stop at East West Brewery, and we had a few beer on the nice. way. And then we went over the Highvan Pass. So the Highvan Pass is kind of famous. I think you climb about seven, eight hundred meters, and it would have been the only way north until reasonably recently and they've built a like kind of a tollway now that cuts through a tunnel right through the mountains uh, coming back for a faster journey but it took about three three and a half hours to go from Hoi An to Hue and the Haivan Pass is really nice it was a little misty when we went through so not the greatest views but it is quite beautiful you climb up and you see the the ocean down below and that maybe takes about an hour to do the high van pass then you come down and you cross uh, the railway tracks and then follow some little uh roads along kind of the coast a little bit and then inland through farms and uh yeah you end up at Hue. yeah probably about three and a half hours later but just before we talk about Hue, coming back it just took two hours. And again, because I think they take that tollway that cuts through the mountains on the way back. So you can be uh, to Da Nang airport in two hours. And that driver was really going like 60 to 80 kilometers an hour. So it's, it's a pretty painless journey. Let me uh, do a little intro to Way for everybody to paraphrase yeah. Wikipedia. Way is the provincial capital or a provincial capital in the north central coast of Vietnam. It was once the capital of Dong Trong. No idea how I'm pronouncing that. Um, I assume it was an ancient fiefdom, uh, perhaps, because it uh, was around in the 18th century for about 40 years, which is interesting because that's a short span to be the capital of a fiefdom. Um, but then it became the capital of Vietnam, actually, during the Nguyen dynasty, which stood from 1802 to 1945. So that's a bit longer. Uh, after serving as the imperial city and administrative capital, Huey later functioned as the administrative capital of the Protectorate of Annam during the French Indochina period. So I guess there's going to be some French colonial buildings as well as some older ones. The city contains a UNESCO-designated site, the Complex of Huey Monuments, which is a popular tourist attraction. Alongside its moat and thick stone walls, the complex encompasses the imperial city of Hui, the forbidden purple city, the former emperor's home, and a replica of the royal theater, which I don't know where the original one is from, but I'm hoping Scott's going to fill us in. Otherwise, uh, the oldest ruins in Hui belong to the kingdom of Lam Up, which I'd never heard of until I wrote that sentence and uh that kingdom dates back to the fourth century ad so that's actually a time in history in southeast asia that i'm quite interested in so i'm probably going to look that up as soon as this show is over uh why don't you take it from here scott and tell us what it's like to visit this historical site yeah, Trevor, I'm going to disappoint you right at the start here because I don't know uh, the Royal Theater is a replica of a Royal Theater <laughs> where. Damn. And th the other little preface of this is I, I was working a bit on the road here. So I did send my dad. I joined him for a bit of sightseeing and I had to send him out for a day of sightseeing on his own. But, you know, my impressions of uh, Hue were quite a bit different. Um, obviously, a very popular tourism uh, area. I think they get a few less than Hoi An, though. And my impression was that two nights, we were there two nights, and, and I think two nights was about good. 
That said, you know, almost like any travel destination, if, if you took the time to get on the outskirts a bit, hired a driver or a little motorbike, I think you could get out into the countryside and there's other little ruins marked out around town. There's uh, one called the, the Tiger Arena, which I've heard is kind of neat. But Hue itself is quite charming and I definitely think worth a visit. Now, keep in mind kind of the downtown area. I was staying on the edge of downtown right along the Perfume River. And I think a lot of us have heard of the Perfume River. We don't know why, but it sounds familiar. And I was staying at an old hotel, but it had nice views right along the river. So that was nice. And we were on the edge of downtown, which has the backpacker places, which has bars and restaurants. And it's not unlike any other kind of busy, smallish Vietnamese city. Um, but was was nice, nice enough to stroll. And, and one thing I'll give them full points on is along the river. They've got nice paths there for uh, some people who are on bikes, but jogging. So both mornings I was there, I did a nice jog down along the river under three bridges across one and, and then back along the other side of the river. So if you like walking or uh, running or even riding a bike, those paths are really nice. Continuing on with kind of the active bit is on the other side of the river from downtown is the old Imperial city. And I ran across the bridges and around the inner moat of the uh, Imperial palace, which was really nice. Again, like in the morning was, was lovely. There was no travelers around. And if you were on a bicycle and you look at Google maps, you'll see that there's an outer moat system, which I've heard is about 10 kilometers to go around. So that would be very beautiful. And while I stayed sort of on the edge of proper downtown, if I go back, I want to explore more in that that old city that has a moat all around it. Because within that old city, I think it's still a busy little town, but there's certainly some some nicer, charming looking boutique hotels. I think some of that uh, European Frenchish type architecture is in there, some neat restaurants. So I think that might be the place to stay is in that kind of larger imperial city area. Sorry, where are you talking about that? Again, like I'm just trying to picture this and my introduction didn't have any uh, population size. I didn't stumble across that. So real quickly, is it is it bigger or smaller than uh, Hoi An? It's a good question, Trevor. And uh, I would guess it's probably a little smaller than Hoi An, but still probably 100,000. Like um, once you get out of the downtown core, the city definitely kept going for quite a while, but I think a bit smaller than Hoi An, but surrounded by, you know, smaller modern city. Okay, you know, it's interesting reading the background again that the first one was that 40 year reign of this random fiefdom or something. But you know, like, I, I'm sure I'm sorry to all our Vietnamese listeners, the Nguyen dynasty, the, the name of the, the dynasty that reigned for 140 some years. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of Vietnamese people have this last name. And my understanding was that during this dynasty, um, many people changed their last names to the same last name as as sort of a, a, a loyalty like a like to symbolize that they were not against these rulers in order to like protect their families. And I don't know whether that's right, but if that is true or there is some truth in there, um, it was obviously a very powerful and important uh, kingdom, you know? And then what's interesting is that it was also later like the, the protectorate of Anam during French Indochina. So like when you're mentioning like this Imperial city, I assume it's from this one era, but then maybe like along the, the river, the perfume river, which sounds so exotic, right? Maybe that's where it the does. French quarter is. Did it really have like, did you feel like there's all these different centuries and generations, even that La Map, I looked it up, that's Ling Yi, which again, I'm probably pronouncing wrong, but this is one of the earliest Cham capitals. Like even, you know, like this is super historic site. So 
could you sort of feel the history? Could you see it all around you or, or is it just all restaurants and shops and boutiques and stuff now? We were staying along the river again, so I could just look out the window and across the river and sort of see the citadel uh, from the Imperial City Tower there. And so, yeah, it did feel historical there. Downtown was was a little more modern, but definitely when you cross over to that Imperial City area, that's a bit of a, a quieter area, and you definitely feel that that older charm a bit. But I think definitely worthwhile. You know, you've got to see the Imperial City. Uh, you could easily spend a good few hours there. Uh, then you go to another location. You can see some of the emperor's tombs. Something that the guide told us that was kind of interesting during the French period, apparently particularly uh, kind of in the 1900s, a lot of the uh, leaders at that time, the emperors, weren't completely calling the shots. And they sort of had to play along by things that the French wanted. So they were sort of puppets. Um, there's some other neat uh, tombs I mentioned uh, and some sites outside of the city. And I really wish I'd, I'd spent more time there. You can do boat trips on the Perfume River. Uh, the boats weren't as appealing in, as some in other areas. They're kind of enclosed a, a little bit. Um, but Hue cuisine is also quite different. They have something called royal cuisine, some special dishes. They don't eat pho as much, and they have their own soup there called Ban Bo Hue, which is the really popular soup there. I can't really describe how it tastes, but it was different. Um, and I, I will say one thing about here, particularly, that was interesting that I don't think maybe Cambodia and Thailand has quite as much. Just when you're walking around that downtown core around all the backpacker areas, you're continually asked like, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Do you want to ride? Do you want to boat? And that I realized I hadn't encountered that kind of tourism in a while. And that bit bugged me. But I think Hue should be on anyone's journey, particularly if you're traveling by land. It's a midway breakup point. And I would easily go back for a few days and I'd probably rent a motorbike and drive out. Uh, you know, it looks like there's a big reservoir left or west of the city. And then it looks like it's very easy to get into some really windy mountain roads just away from there. And it's not far from the coast. So I think there's good exploration beyond kind of the key sites of the Imperial City. And I'd love to rent a scooter and check that stuff out. Yeah, because again, like they're talking about these ancient ruins from the Cham capital, that's about three kilometers outside of Wei. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not looking at a Google map right now, but you say it's near the coast. So there's a chance maybe that there's a less developed, nicer beach area there than there would be like in the middle of one of the big nearby cities like Da Nang or something like that. So, uh yeah, and then with the dirt biking, it seems like there would be like a bunch of stuff in and around this area. So like you, you, you could do like a couple nights in Way and make that your base of operations for exploring a little bit. Maybe is a better bet than uh, you know. I guess it depends on if you're passing through how much time you have. There's so much to see in Vietnam. That's the big challenge. Hey, yeah, it's a massive country, as you know, uh, north to south. But uh, you know, it's it's tough to to kind of say to one of their major sites being Hoi An you know, maybe pass it over, but I, I guess you still got to pop in for a look, but the crowds, but Hue historically is really neat. And again, if you're driving motorbikes or maybe you have a driver you like, um, I think it'd be fascinating to drive through some of these mountain roads that look really windy and beautiful through the mountains uh, west of there. So, you know, it's an easy win. Uh, if you're, if you're flying internationally in Southeast Asia, there's lots of direct flights uh, to Da Nang, even from Korea and Japan and stuff. And, yeah, it's a pretty easy win. I think if uh, you wanted to visit Hue for a few days, you could also just do a morning, like bomb into Hoi An for a morning. Um, the Vespa adventure trips are fantastic in Hoi An. They also do them in Hue and actually between the two places. 
And if you wanted to chill out from a beach and spend money on international quality, I think you could really enjoy some of these um, international hotels that are on the bays or along the coast. So you could probably easily kill a, a nice week there all said and done. Wow, cool. Do you, do you happen to know the history of the Perfume River? I'm sorry, Trevor. I don't. I was a really bad tourist on this one. and I just found it. Here you go. I'll, I'll answer that for you. I'll save you. It says, in the autumn, flowers from orchards upriver from Huey fall into the water, giving the river a perfume-like aroma. Hmm. Interesting. Well, look, I feel a little silly. I, we don't know all the history on this. And it was more meant as a bit of a, a travel snapshot, you know, having just been somewhere and the first time being 26 years ago that I was there. And, and sort of how everywhere changes, of course, but how some places are now like some of the destinations we mentioned in Europe and in Asia that are frankly getting overrun almost, and then other historical areas that aren't quite as busy. And, and hey, is it worth it? And uh, we hope you enjoyed the little chat about this. And, and by all means, go have your own experience, and I'm sure you'll have a great time. Uh, Vietnam's a lovely country. The food's great, and uh, I think you'll enjoy yourself there. So that is my travel report from having just been on the road in late april 2023 trevor a plus scott excellent report <laughs> i don't know if i give it an a plus because my lack of historical knowledge but uh I, I think it was hopefully enjoyable and uh before we wrap this up a, a big thanks to gary and all our patrons again those are people who clicked donate on our homepage or went to patreon.com search the name of the show and they sponsor the show from a few dollars a month upwards have a warm, fuzzy feeling knowing they keep this going, but they get those special patron-only bonus episodes in between all of these. Sometimes it's a video, sometimes it's a conversation. So thank you, Gary, and all of our patrons for keeping this going. Trevor, take us out. Hey, thank you just to all of our listeners in general. You know, like uh, my parents are traveling and they've turned uh, some of our old friends from Vermont onto the show. And they really enjoyed uh, one of our recent episodes about the toilet stories, uh, which Scott had plenty of. I don't know if he accumulated any new ones on this <laughs> trip to Vietnam, but uh, we may be doing a sequel to that show sometime soon. So, yeah, go to the website, talktravelasia.com. We have like a hundred and six some back episodes of all sorts of interesting things that you can go and listen to um, our show notes often have uh, google maps and links to help you plan your travel to these destinations and always lots of good photos so check out the website talktravelasia.com donate if you can we appreciate it and scott thanks for hanging out again telling me about your trip uh, be back in two weeks i think we got some good guests lined up uh, for the next few shows so i'm looking forward to it Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp